Alrighty, so here we are. We're at Shed Space Hong Kong, and I'm with Claire and Erin. So many <laughs> of y'all probably won't know who they are because you live in Singapore and you're not here. And I was lucky to meet them. So you're gonna want to listen to what they gotta say because we're working together, and of course, because we're working together, you just gotta work to it with us it must to listen be to good. it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So. Shared space, come. Tell me more about your story. Where did you start? Where did you see yourself? And, you know, your story of how Shared Space began. Sweet. Shared Space is a co-creation of Claire Lim and myself. Uh, we came together, literally meeting, saying, yo, we want to do movement business. How does that work? How can we do it? How can we make it happen? Claire said, well, whatever you want to do, I kind of know I want to open a space. And they said, good, good, let's do it. I'm ready. We started finding the space, finding the location, had our little adventure looking for spaces and then finding this beautiful gem in the middle of the city, 31st floor. Uh, we, we can look out, see the green mountains. Oh yeah, uh, see the green mountains and, and have our little oasis here in, in Causeway Bay in busy Hong Kong. That's how it all started. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We wanted to build a community I think um, at first it was very movement based. So we thought that what we were offering was limited to movement classes and workshops, but really uh, something bigger that grew a subculture rather than just movement culture was millennial culture as well. So in our collaborations uh, to produce content or to sell product, we started chatting with lots of local millennial brands. So this spans over food, uh, Palo Santo, so burning incense wood, um, clothing, all to, of course, support our movement message. But how we work has developed a lot over the past year. Nice. Okay. So tell me, like, right now, where you are, like, um, do you see a trend happening in Hong Kong? And where do you see this trend moving towards? And do you see yourself within the trend or outside of it? movement culture trend. I think it's happening all around the world. People are getting smarter about um, fitness versus movement. And they start to understand that the box life that many of us have been living in and like, these are my work friends. This is my uh, home life. This is how um, I my mood is when I'm during my commute or whatever it is, that is more harmonious when it's all integrated. And within that fitness is the same, I think we're in fitness, you kind of just go to the gym, you have fun or you work hard or you sweat a lot or you curse a lot for an hour or two a day or a week, depends. But then movement would be that idea of, wait a minute, I always have my body. I always have that one tool with me at all times. And like while I'm speaking, I'm, I'm doing the waves and in my mind, doing the spinal waves. And it's like almost an illustration of, of what movement means to us. So speaking of Hong Kong, I think people are getting more educated because the knowledge, the information about nutrition, about how to do uh, a proper chin up or what it is, is, is more out there. Mm -hmm. If it comes down to um, more in-depth movement research work, people like Ido Portal, he's been based here for a while, um, Fighting Monkey, the workshop sold out with 70 to 80 people. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the general public is still the general public. Like we have to do a lot of educational work and every single time we speak to people our message changes a bit because sometimes 
they're yoga teachers, but they've never heard about uh, movement as a differentiation. Hmm. I think that movement is going to take its time to become a trend um, because fitness is not going to go. So for me, from the strategic point of view, looking at how to insert movement into the fitness industry as, you know, with movement as an up, upgraded fitness, you know, sustainable fitness, finding these sort of smart ways to hack and arbitrage people's attention is big for me. Um, what I see as trends in Hong Kong right now are startup culture, mm. conscious consumerism, um, the sustainability movement, that's mm. big too. So for us, wherever the trends go, we are, we adapt. What we provide with, say, um, selling a movement class or whatnot doesn't always have to be this structured, very 90-degree square movement class. If it's you know going in and doing something fun, going into a startup community and really addressing their needs and what they want, which oftentimes is they just want to move their bodies or they don't quite know or don't quite understand how their bodies move or don't move, but you know are interested in developing that knowledge around that, then we go in and have that conversation. So I think in a way we're definitely not looking to you know trend hop in a in a way that's fad like you know like for example um not to not to razz any industries right now or like sub industries within the field but for example and i'm a professionally trained ballet dancer from before so you know with bar <laughs> we workouts knew, we, knew, we know where it is yeah. going to it's <laughs> so been spoken about anyway <laughs> yeah so so with bar workouts being the hit right now um, across Asia as it was in, in the US and Europe. Um, with it being the hit right now, but really looking at the core of a couple of their businesses, the businesses that are trending in Asia and knowing that the owners as well as their teachers are not ballet trained and actually seem to not even be interested in ballet, you know, then for example, I wouldn't be interested in hopping onto that movement um, unless I can provide with actual ballet technique to support rather than feed into that system of what they're already doing. So I think it's always like we talked about in the previous podcast, the collaboration, you know, so yeah. whatever the trends are, startup culture or conscious consumerism, there are ways to be involved without selling out. That's big for me. Yeah. You too. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Anyway, what y'all have just said is basically what I would, also agree with because mm -hmm. we all think about it in the sense of like we want to be part of you know the consumer's education but not flow within the commercialized industries of you know like outselling you know selling out and, yes you, you and put then it you go much out of culture you. and then that's it mm. you know your business gone and i need to think of a new business model and then you take another franchise and franchise it mm. yeah yeah it's almost like it's really hard for people to, uh, for us to take in concepts that are more profound, that have a longer history. Yeah. Like, can I chop down those 300 years of development and just take the latest 10 years and then uh, bring something to people where they don't have to think a lot or where they don't have to uh, be trained as a kid to become good at it. And like, just take the surface of it, deliver it to people and say, look, the surface is almost as good as the real thing. At least it looks the same. So yeah, I think that's, I'm not sure mm. if it's 
been like that for the last hundreds of years mm -hmm. but for sure there's that mistaking the 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 tip of the iceberg for the whole thing yeah mm -hmm. so do you all see yourself um more as standing outside of the square but still throwing little rocks in there to get people's attention and getting them to turn around and like at least pay some attention to what y'all are doing and from there educate maybe a few people and you know build that community from that point or do you do it through another approach that's very that's a very visual allegory so i'm thinking about <laughs> do i imagine as a square i think i think i imagine being more like a sphere mm. rolling so without even caring about where the square what the square is and, you know getting yeah. into the square i think more as a sphere so i roll around with yeah. whatever goes um that means that when something is when i'm doing something and it's in the favor of what i'm doing mm. then it continues to roll down that path and if it's a mountain then it's like a snowball right then it continues to grow yeah and i'm growing what i, I was want thinking bubble and like bloop, people go get in <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. bubble snowball yeah. and then i think in being spherical like my teacher naveen would say in being spherical then it's also it's something that's not quite you know like it creates a clash and it's not quite what I or me and Aaron we believe in then I would roll away from it you know then that way there's no butting heads and there's no clash there's just um deflecting it, it's a lot um in alignment with lots of Chinese arts Chinese martial arts principles as well you know of like rather than fighting against something fight yeah. with it and use their momentum to you know leverage yeah yeah and, <laughs> and if it's distance that needs to happen then go away from that yeah when it comes to attention arbitrage of, for example, fitness industry, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm not thinking from specifically a shared space umbrella. I'm thinking more that, for example, this is something that Aaron could talk about more because he has a background in parkour and acrobatics. So right away, what he does is very eye grabbing and it doesn't take a very sophisticated or smart human being to see that doing a backflip is more complex than doing a sit-up and in a way it's entertaining yeah. you know so i think that's a way of yeah attracting getting people. yeah yeah attracting people mm. and fans uh, i know you're a very strategical thinker in that sense and you seem to get concepts really good which is i think important that we partner together. Otherwise I would be in some other realms right now. But for myself, I think less of like, I'm throwing rocks at a crowd of people, which let's say flowers at a crowd of people and like mm. try to aim for those who like really value the flower and they come back to me and, mm -hmm. and want to have more flowers or the matter for mm -hmm. those. I personally look more at um, a bit of both actually. It's first, can I look after myself well enough within the movement area, within the movement field that I can say, I've got a bunch of flowers and I can give them away. What I can't say is I'm doing my own training. I'm advancing, I'm progressing. And there are certain things that I've figured out for myself, but I'm not at the point where I'd say, look, if movement is not part of your life, you should come to me right now. I'm more like, mm, actually, to be honest, I know there are certain individuals out there who are massively successful like Gary Vee or the whatever Richard Branson, I don't know about him too much, to be honest, but they don't seem to have movement within their day-to-day -day practice or Elon Musk, but they shape the planet. So I want to find out 
first more about how can movement be a vehicle that really, really, really serves a human being holistically. And with that, for me, psychology or the mental state is a big part. And until then, I'm really happy to teach people who want to do a handstand how to do a handstand or who want to learn how to do a backflip. I'm happy to teach them how to do a backflip. The bigger message, though, it's it's learning from the current um, the current people who have just had more mileage, who had more mm -hmm. time, who've been on this planet longer and who come up with incredible material mm -hmm. that I think is life changing. Mm -hmm. When you look at the people who've become attracted to and become a part of movement culture as a global community, quite often it's people who have been experienced in their bodies for years doing something. Even if it's, you know, mm -hmm. if you're Michelle from You Move and you've done Pilates for 18 years, even if it's that, he's been in his body, even if it's mm -hmm. in a certain way, to then become either frustrated enough that, you know, this feeling of like, I'm boxed in and I can only do these things, or um, just be inspired to do something else. You know, like, well, I've done this for so long anyway, let's go salsa dancing that can come up too. And so I think it's kind of a natural progression. I feel like becoming a more complex and intelligent mover is part of evolution. I hope. Yeah, for sure. That's why I, I, I really I'm like, I'm like, oh, is it just me? Uh, I think the evolution. Well, that, that movement was such a, the, such a fundamental part in the development of the human brain and that still uh, kids who don't crawl as much when they grow up, who don't get as much feedback through their hands and feet, mm. that they would then have later on difficulties learning or picking up languages. Mm. So there's that definitely like mm -hmm. the human brain develops with movement and with the, the complexity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, def, there's that massive crossover. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone has the ability to tap into that potential. Mm -hmm. There's no one out there who I think couldn't benefit from movement and from experiencing themselves more. But at the same time, there's people out there who um, build uh, schools in third world countries. Do, do I think they need more movement? Not necessarily, but for sure they, they may have a um, slightly richer life experience with mm. generally having, just experiencing more of what's going on in their body. Mm. How does my foot plant onto the ground when I walk? I enjoy that sensation of walking outside and, and being able to notice, almost have a conversation with myself. I don't necessarily have to listen to anything. I can listen to, to what's going on and it's entertaining. But uh, yeah. So the reason why you're listening to all the sirens and all is because we're real and raw, keeping it real. It's ghetto. <laughs> so yeah. So what was described basically is that you're saying that movement is part of life, right? Life is movement, right? You know, it's part of your body. It flows within your system. This mm -hmm. is what you, you believe in, uh -huh. right? So next question is... Wait, I want to di differentiate. I yeah. want to, movement is not life. Movement is a necessary ingredient, but yeah. it's not equal to life. Mm -hmm, but different kinds of movement. So not the movement practice, but... Yeah, you in know, your, general. Yeah, yeah, your heart pumping yes, blood yes. is movement. <laughs> There's exactly. always, there's, mm, I would say. I'm liking the debate right now. <laughs> without movement, uh, the, it can be argued that without movement, there's no life. Yeah. But life can't be equal to movement. Mm. You know, there's, there's stuff in my head going on that I think someone who's uh, stuck in a wheelchair and the only thing that's beating is their heart, but they can still, uh, like, smell something and, and have a rich experience in their mind 
do they need to know how it feels to to twitch their little finger i'm not sure so there's that definitely life needs movement but mm. movement is not uh not definite exactly not absolute yeah well <laughs> i feel like there's an endless endless spiral yeah it's we're just gonna keep going on and on and on about this topic so this one we'll leave it for another time when i'm back in hong kong again <laughs> so next question is um with your practices that both of y'all are doing like do you all see yourself also adding on more aspects of other techniques maybe into your current vocabulary of movement or yoga maybe mm. and where do you see yourself building these next blocks towards and in terms of the collaborations that you're all doing right like you mentioned uh, working with the different industries mm -hmm. Do you see yourself, uh, do you see them also giving you value and mm -hmm. how do you give them value back as well? And what what is the real goal there mm -hmm. when you're doing those collaborations? Okay, that was two questions. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think the first question goes to you. All right, movement practice, learning from other people. I think uh, Ido said it well when, when he said you're always teaching someone. If it's someone asking you for the way, you're, you become their teacher for a moment. And to a certain degree, I, I know that every single human being has something that I don't have, which I can learn from them through observation or through direct instruction. So there's definitely that constant progress of I improve myself through learning from others. What I like to think for myself is when uh, I create a curriculum or I think about what, what is my message and method? What is the point that I want to get across that nothing essentially new will ever arise? Everything that needs to be said has always been said in its base pieces, but how I formulate them together, how I can bring them together is, is my privilege and my absolute choice. So I would say the moment I go into directions that I like, which is like Taoist philosophy, parts of martial arts, um, acrobatics for sure, um, general body awareness or Feldenkrais, the moment I step into these things, I just like, I just haven't, I, I don't even have to say these are good because I just, there's something to them. I'm learning mm -hmm. the community part. Yeah. You're the, the queen of collaborations. That's what I call you sometimes at least. Practitioner of collaborations. Nice. Um, community wise and collaborating with other brands in support of the movement message. I feel like this is a big one. I think that I made a decision because there is the movement message and there is shared space, the business. Of course, with the movement message being a big, uh, one of the big whys behind why we started the business. I also am acknowledging that where we are right now in terms of number of people in the world listening to or aware of the movement message is relatively low and therefore it would take say for example i could ask for a hundred points of favors from somebody it would take about 90 points of those favors in a lifetime to get the movement message across in a persuasive enough way to hopefully have a conversion from whatever it is, right? Uh, no moving to moving, fitness to moving, 
whatever it is. And that's where I see it now. And, but that might just be my personality because I have a very different personality compared to, you know, so I've just taken on a different, uh, a different mission. So for me, my core mission is not my number one, not core mission. The way I prioritize it is not moving the movement message forward. It would be moving the business forward to be so helpful to build a community, to be so liked and loved by our community because we love people as well, that the movement message then becomes more interesting to them. Then I would take up 10 points as opposed to 90 points. Mm, So therefore I think what we're building long-term with the Mm -hmm. smaller companies here right now, especially in Hong Kong, if you're talking about the Hong Kong collaborations is because we've experienced for the past year being small and not actually everybody being very uh, open or willing to supporting us. However, the people who have supported us are, you know, such big supporters and such good friends that we are eternally grateful and will never forget what they've done for us. They give us our first corporate gigs or give us our first festival gigs. And so having received that help, that has led us to also have extend that same openness to other starting brands being, you know, it's either being the first artists, if you want to call us artists as a dancer and a parkour practitioner who, um, feature their products, you know, who post about their products or who stock their products or who do collaboration sales or, you know, have them tag along when we pop up at another event as a sponsor partner or whatnot. I think these are just ways to, as businesses grow together, of course, with like, for example, uh, a really good analogy is vegan food. You know, you have really good brands nowadays who 10 years ago did something differently with in America, the PETA act. Um, so before like 10 years ago, or even now with the PETA act, they, there are so many very graphic, you know, like you should be vegan because da, 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 you're killing da, 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 you know, with that kind of a message being very harsh and fortifying, of course, the like, yeah, I'm an ethical vegan message for the people who are ethical vegans, but also turning many people away from the message mm-hmm. because right away they feel attacked. So same for us. Like I brought, I brought up the vegan thing because now there are a couple of mm-hmm. sustainability festivals, more vegan cake stores online that mm-hmm. I like to support and order from off of Instagram. Yeah. And I enjoy what they make. Also because I have a dairy and egg sense to be, but I enjoy what they make and I like having conversations with them, you know, so for example, sometimes I'll ask, I've asked the, this vegan cake shop owner if she's vegan and she actually shared that she isn't. And, but at the same time, there's no, not this guilt of like, oh, you're not Mm -hmm. a vegan. So same with us. We like to develop the culture in a way that it's not like, oh, you're not a mover Mm -hmm. because in a way everybody, I like to say that everybody is. And there are just ways to add on to that. So then rather than coming from a, you know, like, how do they get, how do we get them to come to our side? Mm -hmm. Um, It's more of, we continue to do our thing. You know, when, if, when, if, when the time's right, which at the core, I believe is a when, not an if, but I like to say if, because I don't like to impose, Mm -hmm. then it will happen. Mm -hmm. So can I say it's more a uh, inclusive kind of thing? For sure. And yeah. then you're just throwing out the idea of the movement aspect. So, I would in- inclusivity is a bit... like educating the movement aspect and letting people understand and let them make those choices by themselves. 
I would guess so. For for my idea, inclusive is more like mm. um, it, um, inclusivity is part of it, but it can't be the core because yeah. then what are you inclusive towards? Why do you include mm. people? Um, right, right. I think it's a general say yes mentality, if that makes sense. But not say yes to everything. So there are the prerequisites what I think, values. What I think it comes down to besides values is um, values as in you first have to have our similar values and then, then we like you or you become part of our community is the genuine want to create value for other people. And then we see that being too aggressive with the movement message drives more people away and creates more pain for some people mm. who then feel attacked and like, oh shoot, am I, not, am I doing something wrong? I, I shouldn't, whatever the shoulds are. The moment we stop with the shoulds and just see how can we help. And then we start hearing that people's cries for help are sometimes not such serious cries. They're just saying, I would like to do something fun and be around people I like. And we like to answer these messages and not shoot at those people saying, you're not the real deal. You should be not having fun right now or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Okay. So next question, what is your next step? Let's say where you are now, right uh -huh. here now, uh -huh. what is your next steps that you're actually taking to bring your company forward? My very literal, not literal, but online mind for the coming week slash month, next step is actually finding a PA. So mm. finding a personal assistant and we've played with working with different sorts of people in a very open ratio so they would have much more freedom and creativity to do what they want in a way that they could explore how to be helpful um, that versus um, being very task oriented taking off what's at hand so from being very free i've actually switched right now to create just a very black and white job opportunity for somebody who can be creative, but at the same time can also follow and mm. take off tasks just because that's where I am personally. Um, I handle almost all of the operations and I also teach. Aaron teaches, I think, a couple more hours than me in a week, but I handle the two. And when it comes to our collaborations and ongoing work with other communities, uh, communication mainly goes through me. So it's like, there's a huge filter to go through. So by this point, I do need to add on to that filter. Um, as the co-founder, I'm very happy with Aaron in Aaron's role because I see that it's where Aaron needs to be to thrive. Aaron is very creative and I see, I mean, I've experienced multiple times giving admin work to Aaron and seeing the life literally be drained out of him by the minute. And so that's not where I'd like to go. And therefore that immediate step and that, that immediate step for me is coming because we are developing shared space in a way that it represents different things, you know, so that the movement message is a big thing. Um, developing a strong library of content so that we provide value and we're findable and our friends are findable as well is big for us. And then the third to support local product, which all time, it's already what we're doing, just how we're framing the business is mm. changing slightly. Any struggles? S struggles are so Simple. far with time, which for me, 
rather than looking at what are some things that don't need to be done or cutting out things from my list because I've, that's been on my mind and I've tried to do that so many times and failed that I've gotten to the point of thinking, okay, how can I not be so precious about something? You know, so coming into the podcast and not having sat for three hours this time thinking about what I'm going to say and where I am in my life, but rather not being so precious, knowing that what I, what I end up saying won't be that bad. And I can live with it. Yeah. And also the likelihood of, for example, if I'm at an 80% in my performance today and I can reach 200 people and inspire them as opposed to uh, at 100% of my performance and then reaching uh, 210 people, then which is more efficient, you know, because how much time did I take to get there? So that's the immediate what's next for me. Aaron's in the process of building his handset course. Mm. I think content is a big part of where we know the world is going and the big systems or the big, the big steps and differences that knowledge in general is more available to the general population. So right now, Sam paying uh, 20 USD a month for certification of a physio with like 20 years of experience with several, whatever degrees it is. And it used to be that I used to pay a lot of money for this. Whereas now he literally says, this is a decentralized course. You can take it from anywhere in the world. It doesn't take a lot of time. There are the tests inside. It's really hard to cheat. You get the general accreditation um, that makes it a lot easier for anyone around the world to step up to what they want to be doing, not what they what they feel they must or the only opportunities they have which, to do. Which course are you talking about? Uh, it's, a, it's just a course that I am taking. Okay. Um, so knowing that content or the world itself is becoming more open source, then I'm thinking, what is the thing that we can contribute? And there, here I feel creating um, smaller pieces of content that are somewhat educational or inspirational are helpful, and then taking time to use our resources to create um, a handsome course for people who want to train in person and have an added resource to keep their training ongoing or to communicate with other trainees, mm. to use everything we've got. So we don't have to say, come here for uh, two times a week for six weeks, then you get it. Or that general like uh, teaching environment, you have to be here and everything has to be right. It's more, uh, you pay to be here because the information you get here and the spotting that you get here or, or whatnot is um, special and you can't get it without a person touching you. But you can also do a lot of stuff on your own. You can also do your homework and have a, a pre-written program for you that you can then exchange with other people and upload your process to it. Struggles? Um, yeah, for sure, always. Uh, I think for me, not being... I, I love training. I love educating myself, studying, and I love teaching. I don't like... Um, writing checklists and ticking boxes off of them. I love that. <laughs> so for me, the struggle is more in um, sitting on the desk and putting everything together. It's, the, the creative stuff is cool, but then when it comes down to, okay, I need to film this, I need to have a shot list, I need to know my lighting roughly, I need to know the hours when the studio is free, I need to have my dialogues prepared, all that kind of <laughs> stuff, and recording it. Then the editing is fun to a certain point, but that for me is a, okay, I just guess that, that's the price I have to pay 
so that I'm allowed to do everything else I'm doing so that eventually I can provide the value that I think is very unique, that is very important. And I have to go through some rough patches that I just don't like that much. Mm. All right. So it's not too bad, actually, right? Overall, <laughs> the struggles versus the, the rewards as to doing it and eventually getting the product out. I think it, I believe the struggle comparing mm. the struggle versus the reward mm. is impossible. The, yeah, this just outweighs this. I think the struggle has its own process. Mm. That is just not easy to, to talk pretty. Yeah. And something to be figured out and mastered is more like a skill of overcoming the struggle and comparing that to the reward of the price is, is very hard. For me so can do. we say it's almost similar like doing a handstand? <laughs> There's so much struggle in actually eventually landing and doing a full handstand. Yes, I like that. Right? Is that same mm. analogy? Yeah, if you have, if your only goal is to hold a, say, one arm handstand, because then it, yeah. it gets really in, put into relation how difficult that is. Yeah. If your whole and only goal is to hold that handstand and you dislike the struggle so much yeah. that it's not that rewarding journey that you want to go through, but really it's just crushing you every day, yeah. then the handstand's not for you. So you can't just say, I want the price without, without looking the struggle. Hard. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not even like, finally, when I have the one arm handstand, my struggles will be worth the price for who enjoys, who in the world enjoys the struggle enough so that the reward just comes with it afterwards. That's how I see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in a way, like, that's when I had something, my eyes started going up <laughs> when I was thinking struggle because it's not a word I use very often. It might be a word I think, but then I, I work to reframe it. Mm -hmm. I think I actually like to work. I struggle to not work. That's the thing. <laughs> like, you'll notice, like, Aaron will, for example, um, yeah, I think this was before shared space where we would have lots of time to train and I would struggle with not working because the concept of shared space was still coming into conception. So there was no real ball to push forward every day. Yeah, there was us ourselves to push forward every day and to grow together in the relationship, but there was no work. You know, so it's not that I'm like addicted to emails or social media or creating events, whatnot, but I think it, it's a purpose. Yeah. It's ex exactly like this bigger, like theme of this afternoon we've had, where we've talked about, um, working and living purposefully and it actually, in a way, having a struggle or having effort to make actually makes life better from my perspective, rather than living a life that is so I can do whatever I want and life is easy and mm -hmm. every day should feel like a holiday because what happens when it doesn't feel like a holiday, Yeah, you know, because life <laughs> won't always feel like a holiday because we're organic beings made to die. When we decay, we die, right? Our organs deform, we get old, we die. We get sick, we die. So in the end, it's not that we're always, it's not always going to be a breeze. I think that's an important mindset to get across. Yeah. Um, especially because with like, with the, with the Instagram, you know, people showing the glam part of, part of their lives or um, massaging the truth to look like things are easy. I, I've grown the other way. 
And that might be influenced by the people I grew up with and didn't necessarily mesh well with yeah. to develop a harder personality. So that doesn't mean I'm like Gary Vee and I go around you know, being all hard and everything. I think I definitely ha have that like going hard mentality internally for myself. So how my expectations of myself and how I organize my time has very little do to do with how I expect other people to organize their time. You know, so I have this awareness that I am in fact, a workaholic. So I think having that awareness or having developed that awareness is good for me. So I guess <laughs> both of y'all see positive in whatever that y'all are doing, whether it's tough, whether it's hard, whether you want to almost feel like giving up, it's still the positive that you're working towards to drive that message to people. We try to. Right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think not. We try to, but eventually we always come to. Mm. So in a in a difficult, in a challenging situation, we might not right away. We're not saints, you know. So we still we get upset about things, or one of us gets upset, and there's this. Whole oh, don't dialogue. worry. Yeah, Even yeah, right? saints made mistakes. Yeah. But there's this dialogue <laughs> of like, oh, I'm really upset about this. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Why did this happen? Or like, they should do 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 instead. Of course, that still happens, but eventually we so far have always come around to contribute it to growth. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Right, cool. So if there's one word to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself? One word. One word. Persistent. Okay. <laughs> We're describing ourselves to yes. each other? Okay. No. <laughs> you gotta make a choice. <laughs> Indecisive. Um, driven. Driven. Nice. Yeah. So driven persistence. That's, that's pretty, basically the same that, that, That's pretty good. At least both of y'all are driven. So I definitely <laughs> see this company flying pretty soon. Thank you. Okay. So if there's anything I missed out, do you wanna like boom? Just go in fire. <laughs> Tell people what you want them to hear that I've missed out on. Rapid fire on. Yes, I yes, was. Just go on fire. <laughs> All right. Here's the big deal with being in a body. We have it. We are in it. We have it for our whole life. For me, it's very important to get across that every single human being has the capacity to experience extraordinary sensations, emotions, things within them. And sometimes it's a lot easier to unlock those physically then going deep in our minds. So mm. if I think, man, I have to think my way out of this, it can get really hard mm. unless you have a great teacher or a great construct to follow, but it can be a little bit easier to go into your body mm. and master a skill. And there in my experience, there's the two ways where you either really let yourself free flow, the Wu Wei, just the letting go or dancing or whatever it is. And there's the other part where you take your body, you put it through a challenge that you can't really see yourself going or mastering yet, but you know somehow it's possible and then you achieve it. And these two experiences of one, like being in that free flow state and elevating yourself, your own being and mastering something in your physical body, I think at least gives an outlook of what is possible to experience in my body. Then once you have had that feeling, I think it becomes a lot easier to then start to map it mentally and, and start to pursue or at least be confident that there is this this quality of living that you can achieve through your job, through your children, through whatever it is. I just think sometimes if you're stuck in a situation, it can get hard to uh, see the solution in the same state um, or the same level that created the problem, if that makes sense. If you have uh, struggles with your, with your family 
maybe it's hard to experience pure joy right away. But can you experience something that is similar where you have a challenge? I think in your body, uh, put yourself through it. it. It can be a single workout. I like acrobatics. I like parkour movement. I like these challenges. If I put myself through there, then at least I know, I, I get that glimpse of like, okay, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I can find that way out. Mm. Cool. What about you, Claire? I'm usually quieter than that. I didn't think you would have a, a thought, a trail of thought to throw out right away. So since then, I've just been sitting here thinking about what to say. I think that what Aaron just mentioned is a big paraphrase, in a way, of what our teacher Naveen Mishan of Katona Yoga likes to talk about, which is things like um, thinking our way or feeling our way out of things usually leads us to perpetuate our way. So in a way, we have a our signature way of doing things. So when we think something is straight, we're always slightly off. And that's just because we're not made linearly. We are made of organic nature. And at the same time, so then instead of scaring people and, you know, telling you guys that I think there are no ways or that what you're thinking <laughs> is not the way, I think there are certain teachings that hold up, certain things that work. And quite often, actually, rather than perpetuating further and going deeper into philosophical talks or like even like diving into more into the science of things. I think many of these gems are hidden in old traditions. Mm. So now I won't say what traditions I just, what I've realized trying to move a business forward is actually looking back at the previous teachings. So I'm talking about like the Tao Te Ching, you know, and Taoist teachings instead has actually served really well for me. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, not to impose. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. Alrighty, so with that, we have come to the end of the podcast with Shed Space, Claire and Aaron. Thank you all. So tune in. Thank and- you so much. Say bye bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it was like with the pups. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.